Welcome back to The Abnormal Christian. I am Brad Mason. I am here again with my wife, Natasha Mason. Hi. And there she is. She always laughs when we go into recording mode because I usually uh, put on a bit of a different voice, I think. I think that's what it is, isn't it? I don't think you've a little more a upbeat. Voice. Maybe that's it. It's a little more upbeat and excited and ready to go. So we're glad to be back with you again on this episode. Probably, I think, episode 40. 40? Yeah, I think it's episode 40. Uh, the title of this episode is going to be Burn It Down. So mm. if you're, <clears throat> you're wanting a title there. So we're really going to talk about um, uh, the fire of God, really, um, and some things in our lives and things that have occurred and things that have happened to us over our past and uh, the best way that we've looked at them and the things we've kind of uh, maybe some wisdom that we've gleaned a little bit of wisdom from uh, some things in our lives. So um, that's kind of what this episode is going to be about. I want to thank you again for listening to the podcast. Please share it with your friends. Let your family know uh, The Abnormal Christian. You can reach us by email at theabnormalchristian at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and all of the social media outlets. So in this episode, we're going to take a look at um, God and, and God burning down the things in our lives. So you might uh, have a little bit of a question about what does that really mean? What does that even really mean? So one of the things I, I'll read us a verse before we get started so we can kind of have some context to what we're going to discuss. So we're coming out of 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. It says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father but is of the world. And so really when we're talking about um, the things that have occurred in our lives, the way that God has had to correct us or the way that God has had to form us, uh, it really comes from this idea of the materialism, the things in the world, things we, um, we count as valuable, the things that matter most to us and are very important to us. Um, you were telling me you had experienced something to this effect. Okay. Well, let me give a little bit of a backstory. So we, we took, some of our children went to the mountains this weekend um, just to get, have a little bit of a getaway. It's our leading up to our anniversary, so usually we go and do things. So we've decided to kind of s- split the week. Um, so we took the kids and went up to the mountains. And just driving down the Blue Ridge Parkway, which unless you're familiar with, you may not even know what that is. But it's um, this nice, serene parkway through North Carolina where there's no tractor trailers. There's no, it's just very, um, nature centric. Yeah. Lots of trees and mountains and overlooks and the ability, know, ability to just kind of take in what God has created. And, you know, usually when we're in these car rides, we'll listen to Crowder, which is our favorite, um, artist, I guess we could say. I mean, not that we don't listen to anything else. But no, that's all we listen to. <laughs> No, no, we do. According we do to our children. Yeah, we do listen to Crowder a lot. Um, and I, I've yet to find another artist besides maybe my husband who can really speak to me on a Christian uh, level. So anyway, it seems like every time we end up listening to him, I end up a ball of emotions and tears and just crying and it just overwhelms me sometimes so you know there's a couple of songs that he has where he talks about um god being a good father and being your shepherd and kind of keeping you in line and and watching over you and and i said you know listen to these songs i kind of just get this mental picture of you know we build all these things around ourselves 
that we think are important, that we think will make us happy, that what, you know, we may be chasing after what the world is telling us will be the the source of happiness, and it really turns out to not be. It's just um, burdens and shackles that we put upon ourselves thinking that it's going to make us happy. So God comes along and was like, okay, are you finished? You, 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 got, you got yourself situated. And he just comes in and... You know, we, we joke and we say that our lives can change in an instant, but it really is true. Um, and I think that's different for different people. Um, and only God knows what it will take to kind of break us down to nothingness. So I was telling my husband, I said, I kind of just have this visual picture of, you know, you're, you're sitting on this throne and you got all these wonderful things around you and you, you're happy. Well, you think you're happy, but you're really on the inside and maybe not so much. And then God just comes down and just burns all that that's around us to the ground. And the only thing left in this heap of ash is us. And he comes down to us and reaches out his hand. And, you know, I just picture reaching your hand up and taking his and just stepping, you know, rising up out of the ashes. And just God is like, see, you really didn't need all this. There's one song that was out of the ruins, back to communion with you. And that is what is what paints that picture for me, is that I really don't need anything in this life to be in communion with God. And it just, like, I was bawling like someone had come up and punched me in the face yesterday. Right. And I do that quite often. Yeah, sometimes. And I'm really not, people who know me, <laughs> I am not a warm, fuzzy, um, super emotional kind of person. Right. So. Well, and I think we're very careful I, on the podcast before we've been very careful to mention uh, getting caught up in emotionalism, getting caught up in our emotions and letting those drive what we believe to be true. Um, because oftentimes your emotions can um, lead you in the wrong direction. I think that's what lust is, right? So lust mm -hmm. is an emotion, but it is it can be a sinful emotion that leads you in the wrong direction. So we can't base what we know off of our emotional. Um, but sometimes the truth is going to collide with us in such a way that it's going to make us emotional. It's mm -hmm. going to happen. Um, and I often think of the person who realizes that they are a, uh, they're a sinner before God. God is holy and righteous and all these things. And when you realize your position in relationship to God, it can be an emotional thing. It's almost like you're underwater and you can't breathe. You're struggling to breathe. And then when you come up out of the water, you just, and it's like you can breathe for the first time. Right. And, and, and emotionalism and emotionalism in that context is not inappropriate or incorrect. It's because that's, we are, we're in flesh and we're responding to God uh, the best way that we know how. But I think exactly what you're talking about is what the scripture here is talking about in first John is that, you know, uh, the things that are important to us, cause this is what the, basically the scripture saying, the things that are important to you in this world, they're not important to God at all. They're not the least bit important. He to doesn't him. respect no. any of that. And it, and it, we build these, uh, like you've said before, we build these things around us to make it seem like, um, uh, so in business for the last 20, 20 some years that I've been working, I've worked with a lot of people. Most of them are young men who are coming out of high school, going in to get a job. Um, and over the last 20 years, you hear things all the time. Like, uh, I've got to make bank. I've got to get that paper. I'm, you know, I'm hustling. I'm whatever it is. And it's really centered around this idea that I need more money. And I've got to have more money because money is a symbol of my status and, and it is a symbol of my worth and my value. Um, take somebody like Donald Trump, for instance, the, uh, the media in Hollywood. And everybody loved the guy before he was president. They absolutely, all of them loved him because his money 
was his value. And when people looked at him, that's what they saw. Oh, here's a bajillionaire kind of a man. He must be really successful. He's important. I need him around me. So the world that we see in the world that's out there is that's the system that is in place. It's really, um, but it's all kind of smoke and mirrors though, because oh, we, absolutely. Were, we were riding down and we saw this beautiful house up on this hill and you're, you're first, wow, they must have a lot of money. Right. And then you're like, mm. So yeah, and then my that. second inclination was to say, oh, no, I'm, that's, I'm not looking at money. What I'm looking at is debt, right? Right. So this guy had this huge house and a garage. You know, I mean, they're just building on it. It was massive, and it was really nice. And, uh, you know, those things are easy to get caught up in. We see it, and we think, wow, that's that's beautiful. They must be successful. They must be doing uh, well. No, that's not technically always what it means. It means the bank gave them a loan, and now they have a huge debt, and they have this payment they have to make every month, and they're stressed if they can't make it, and they'll lose it if they can't make it. So, um it is, it truly is in how we view the world and what the world has to offer us, because it is really, like you said, smoke and mirrors. It's not anything of substance. And I think the older that I get, the more, the more, if you're looking more substantially to, for things that matter, it's, you know, when we look, a lot of people are going to say their family, right? Their family matters a lot. Their family, uh, they're going to say their relationship with God matters a lot. And that's probably the two things in life that continue to grow in value the older that you get. Um, yeah, because it doesn't matter how much money you make at that point when you are on the verge of death, we are all the same. Right. It's, and it's not going to matter. You can't take it with you. Uh, I mean, you could, but it's not going to do any good. Um, yeah, we're, we're just, and so in our younger days, and this is where I think we both, um, everybody has their own story to tell and you probably have one of you listening to the podcast, you got your own, but we all had these stories about when we were younger and we were struggling and we were trying to find our way and we were trying to do what was right, or maybe you weren't. Um, and you had all these troubles and all these struggles that came into your life and they seemed to tear you down. If you haven't had that moment, then you've been fortunate because I've had the moment where I've been on the floor and I'm crying and I'm upset and I'm angry and I'm yelling at God because of some things that I made happen in my life. But for some reason I wanted to blame him and I wanted to say, why did you do this to me? Why did you allow this to happen? You know, and the foolish things that I had done had laid these traps and it was really a lot of it was based on what I thought I needed because that's what everybody else had and that's what everybody else did. And I don't understand why isn't this working out for me? Why I'm in this position? Why are all the things that I valued in my life falling down in front of me? Why is it all just falling apart? Why is everything um, getting worse? You know, and so I think once. Uh, once I'm able, it, it took 20 years, it took 10 years. Once I'm into the future, I'm able to look back at that and I'm able to see that, what that was. But at the time, it just looks like fire. It just looks like your life is burning to the ground. I'm never going to make it out Right. Of and you wonder, and you're just like, I don't know, I'm going to do this. This is ridiculous. You know, and so... I think too, you have to be the older you get, the more you, the more you start to see, uh, what God, what is influenced by the hand of God. Right. So we, we were talking about something that's come up recently and I think we were both, uh, we're, we're still, uh, there's an opportunity that's come up that's presented itself to me, um, of something that I was trying to get out of. Now it seems like I want to be pulled back into it. And so we're kind of debating and, and it just happened to come up at, at a, the specific time. And, and I think we said it was, um, what'd you say it was? Seemingly coincidental. Yes. Yeah, co like no, I don't, cause I think we have to acknowledge things in our lives for what they are. Right. So either God is influencing it or he's not. And I really honestly think that God, if he guides all of our steps in the ways that he would have us go, according to the scripture, he does. Um, then there are no coincidences. Right. Um, so it, it's, um, 
It's being able to discern when God does something. That's the harder part, and that's the foolishness of, of youth, right? So the older you get, they usually say an older person tends to have more wisdoms because they've experienced a lot of things. And the foolishness of youth is that you're not able to quickly identify when the Lord is moving or when God is doing something in your life. He may be trying to purify something out of your life. He may be trying to get some sin out of your life, and you're fighting with it, and you're not understanding why because you can't identify that this is God doing this to me, or this is God, I don't understand. Oh, this seems right. This is what I want, right? So the world, and that's another big, you know, lie of the world. Um, one of the things you hear in Hollywood and sports and all these people, they get up there and go, oh, you got to follow after your heart. No. No, that's, <laughs> no, no. I'm going to tell you right now, if you're a believer, nope, that's not what we do. We don't follow after our heart because the Bible says our heart is continually wicked. Uh, this is the Old Testament and, and is, is deceitful. Right, and so it's always trying to lead us astray. It's trying to lead us into the things that are going to please me and and make me happy. Um, we you read an article today about an athlete who um, made the statement that uh, I think it was three eyes within the first paragraph or a first sentence that I felt it was important that I did this because it's imp- I right because so of this, who I am right, and so just consistently this I this me 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 me. And that is all coming, honestly, that's coming out of that person's heart because that person's heart is telling them, you're more important than everyone around you. You're more valuable than the people you know. You're more important than what, even what the rules are. And so they, they're basing their life on what their heart tells them to do. And the scripture says the heart's a bad place to start because the heart is wicked. A heart that is without Christ is, is a rotten thing, and it is full of sin and wickedness. Um, in the Hebrew, there's a word called brit. Um, uh, it's, it's a cutting um, they do it um, when when the boys are born at circumcision, so they they have a bris basically. And they, 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 but cutting of the heart, it's the brit. It, it's we've got to have this circumcision of the heart. It's where the old is cut away and a new heart is placed in there, and that is the heart of the Father, heart of the Son, heart of the Holy Spirit. It's the heart of God that's in us, and it's really it, God's now. Granted, He's not physically. This is the same thing as being born again. He's not physically ripping the heart out of your chest and putting a new one in. But what He is doing is replacing the spirit that's there with the Holy Spirit. He's replacing that empty spot where there was nothing there um, except your desires and your wills and your wants. And he's putting the Holy Spirit there. Now you have a, um, a Holy, the Holy Spirit is giving you a new heart. He's driving those desires. And one of the things you find about having the Holy Spirit dwelling in you is that your desires are going to change. Um, we've both known people over the times who've been Christians for a long time and some fairly new Christians. And uh, I've known people who got saved and tried to continue on in things that were not godly. I knew some people who listened to, you know, say it was secular music. They, they listened to heavy metal bands and they tried to stay in that and they really liked it. But for some reason, it just didn't have that appeal anymore. You know, it didn't have that because their heart was going in a different direction. Their desire, their old desire, their old nature was to be drawn to one way, but their heart is going in a whole nother direction. And so it's really that, uh, that cutting away and that burning down of everything that surrounds us, of all these things that we put our faith and our trust. And, you know, even the atheist people are going to say, um, well, I don't have any faith. I don't believe in a God. That's a bunch of baloney. They've got faith that what they believe is true. Everybody's got faith of some sort and everybody believes in something of some kind. Um, and what, what the word of God does and what the Holy spirit of God does is run in there and set everything on fire and just set it up. It burns and it leaves you in a heap of ash and you're standing there by yourselves. And now you're undone in front of God and he has to make something new out of you. Um, 
and and I think when we both look back at it, there were times we've had some serious struggles. I think we first got married. Um, Natasha found out that she had had cancer, and uh, it was kind of like a, a, just a real gut punch for both of us because we had come out of a lot of trouble. And, uh, and we thought we had our life straight. Yeah, you re- we really thought we got it all right, right? We're, we okay. just had a you know, baby. We got and... where God wants us to be, and we're in the place that he wants us to be, and He's He's given us this opportunity. And, um, and I'm then, not done with you yet. No, and then you find out that that she gets sick, and um, and it was a tough, it was a real difficult time. But I think for both of it, uh, for both of us, it was a refining experience. Um, it's the opportunity. And you know, I don't think I've talked to you much about how you dealt with the situation. I know that in general, the situation for me was my God blazing everything on fire, and I mean, when you. Well, for me, because I, I, I know kind of what you're asking without asking. Um, but for me, I, I've had um, difficult experiences over the last 20 years with relationships, right? Um, and so when we got together and we got married and, you know, we have a baby and, and then find out that you got cancer, I just thought, what in the world is going on? I mean, I don't understand. And I didn't get mad at God. I've just questioned. I didn't understand what was going on because I, I felt like um, I had finally found somebody and gotten to the point in my life where God wanted me to be with this person. This is the person that you really intend for me, Father. I've made mistakes. I've chosen things on my own. I've... I, that's where 90% of my troubles come from is, is my inability to do, choose the right person or the right thing. And so in this instance, um, God really put it all together. And then I sit back and I'm like, would you really take it all away? You know, I mean, if you do, if God did, I under, his, he is God and he is righteous and holy. And, um, it's all, it's all about him. But you know, my, my question at the time was, would you take all this away? Because I just got here, you know, I mean, just, uh, 37 years old, 38 years old. And I finally found, you know, what I always wanted. And so, um, and so that was tough. That was real tough because I didn't understand. Um, but then that shifted away. I think that shifts away quickly, um, in those situations from me, cause it's not about me to you and what you're going through and trying to be supportive for you and supportive for what you're going through. Um, even in the worst moments, you know, trying to be the, the strength that you need because, uh, that's what we're supposed to be for each other. We're supposed to be loving for each other in such a way that, um, you know, yeah, initially my own thoughts might be selfish, um, but it's getting past that to say, you know what, it is not about who I am. This is about this other person I'm with, and I've got to help them get through this. No matter what the outcome is, how bad it is or how good it is, um, I have to help them get through this. And so that takes a lot of... um, I think it takes a lot of being able to just put you down for a while. And, And that's not the world we live in. Well, I think, you know, generally, and I say this to our kids and um, to people in general, either you're a taker or you're a giver Right. more times than not. And I think to be in a situation, at least for me, is why it broke me down was because 99% of the time I'm giving to everyone around me, probably more so than I need to be. And to be in a situation where I, could, I just could not do for myself it's humbling. It's, it broke me. Well, I mean, it, just, <laughs> it resets. I, th- I think it's an opportunity for God and for cer- cer- certain circumstances, a situation to reset your perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's very easy. We are so much alike, Natasha and I, um, and we but laugh, yet but yet we're not, <laughs> we laugh at so many of the same things. Um, 
but at the same time, it, it, it in bad situations like that, it really resets your focus on who's really in charge, who's in control, what really matters, and um, it's finding joy in sorrow. Whether it's it's a good again, whether it's a good in, outcome or a bad outcome, it's finding joy in those things to say that God is in control, God sits on the throne, God rules, and and you know these are things that we often, I think, even as Christians, we often forget, and we seem to question God a lot about. Um, what is going on in our lives because we don't understand we can't see and we don't know but we we have to find that in us and find that that holy spirit that speaks to us to say you know what god is still in charge god is still on the throne it may be wednesday it may be thursday it may be another day of the week it doesn't even matter because he is still god uh in heaven he has not changed nothing no situation you're going through changes his position at all Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we live in this, the world we live in, we, we cannot, and this is the, what we as believers really have to do. We have to stop listening to what is going on around us because they're going to give us bad advice. They're going to give you bad ideas and bad direction. And, um, they're going to lead you away from what God has for you or what God, what God wants you to do. And, uh, you know, the Bible says that we're supposed to flee temptation. And, and the sad thing is, I think a lot of times we run right at it. Mm-hmm. We're running, but we're running right at it because that seems like the next great thing. Uh, I, you know, in, in the instances of the things that God burns out of our lives, when he brings things into our lives, it can be, it takes a little bit of patience to know, is this what God wants me to do? I, I think we always have to give ourselves time uh, whenever we are going to do something new. Uh, and I would give you this advice when it comes to anything you do, whether it's buying a car, whether it's having kids, whether it's uh, joining a new church, whether it's uh, going into the mission fields or going into preaching or whatever it is, going into a new relationship. My advice there would be give it time. You might be young and you might hear this from your parents and you might think it's ridiculous, but give it some time because what looks good today, three weeks from now might not look so good. Mm-hmm. And what looks good or sounds good today, six months from now might seem like it was a bad idea, you know, and so we're so quick to jump into something. We're so quick to dive headfirst into a situation that if we would just give ourselves a little more time to say, Lord, I'm going to pray about this. I'm going to put this at your feet and we're going to go day to day until I have peace over it. When I have peace over this, what I need to do, then I'll act and I'll, and I'll take that direction. Um, and once we can do that, then we can move forward. But the majority of the time it's, Hey, Oh, look, there's something new. I'm jumping right in there. Oh God, help me. How did I get in here? Well, I think the whole culture in general has become very um, instant gratification. Oh, absolutely. And people have lost the impulse control. Right. So, you know, uh, if you're struggling and you're going through a hard time right now, I would say continue to stay in prayer. The Lord hears your prayer. If you're a born-again believer, if you're a child of God, he hears you. You're his children. We are his children. What am I saying? We are his children. We are his family. He hears us, and he uh, He has a plan in, in place and in process. Um, there's, there's this whole idea, and I've mentioned this before, I'm not trying to be mean or, or sad about it at all, but there's a lot of people out there who says God has only the best in, in mind for you. He wants you to be wealthy and prosperous and all these things. I would again remind you to look at the 12 disciples. 11 of them died brutal deaths, um, and one, uh, they tried to boil in oil. Uh, It's just one of the things of the scripture, right? The scripture, those who followed after Christ wound up suffering for it. It, it, Track record's not right. So the idea that uh, everyone who believes in Jesus is going to be rich and wealthy and all that, that's not at all what the Bible even teaches. That's not what it's about. 
Um, now, it doesn't say that we're going to be suffering all our lives. It doesn't say we're going to go through horrible persecution either, right? It doesn't. It says those things can come, and it says we shouldn't be surprised when they do come because they hated Christ first. So why would you be surprised if they hate you? And I think those things are on the horizon. I think within another 50 to 100 years, the landscape of America, even as a Christian, quote-unquote Christian nation, is going to change dramatically. Um, but I think we, as believers, we shouldn't be surprised by it. We shouldn't be offended. Uh, we should expect it, that there's going to be some difficulties coming. But in our lives, God is still always consistent, on time, and, uh, and able. His arms are not too short to reach us wherever we are. His grace and mercy are fresh and new every day. Um, we have something that the world doesn't have, right? We have this mercy, this uh, endless supply of mercy that is new every day when we wake up. And we can say yesterday was a terrible day. But God's mercy is new and it's fresh today and it's uh, it's warming and I can depend upon him. And even if today is rough, guess what? Tomorrow is a new day and there's going to be more mercy and there's going to be more grace and there's going to be more love and more joy. So uh, really, you know, look around your life and if God isn't burning things down, you might want to ask him to. God, take a hold of a few things, purify my life. If, if there's sin in there, help me get it out. Um, burn down what needs to be burned. because in the end of this we want to come forth as gold we want to come forth as something valuable to God we want to come forth as something valuable to the cross and the body of Christ we want to come forth as children of God and disciples of Jesus so we hope that you get a little bit of something out of this podcast we hope you've enjoyed this episode um, if you have any ideas or anything you'd like us to talk about, you can email us again at theabnormalchristian at gmail.com. Uh, you can hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all those wonderful places, and you can leave us a message. Uh, if you'd like us to pray for you, go ahead and send us an email, and we'll be glad to pray for you. Um, hopefully in the future we'll be able to uh, come up with some more technologically savvy ways. I'm working on some <laughs> ideas right now. Email is tough because it takes time, I know, and a lot of people don't want to do that. I think people are in our society want to text you something. Um, so I'm working on something right now, trying to get a few things together. So we'll make it a little bit easier for everybody if they want to communicate to us and tell us how they don't like us or whatever it is. I've had those emails before, um, or they, they really want us to pray for them. We'd be glad to do that too. So we want to thank you for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Bye.